Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Greetings, nerds. This is the Nerd. I'm Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Falk. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I don't have COVID, but I don't know when I'm going to get the next Batman movie. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I know. Two days in from when they resume filming, and not only did someone come down with it, but Pattinson himself. So, I... They have resumed fil- filming, though. They're just not filming the scenes that he's in. No, uh, I think so. So that was the initial story. But then I saw uh, an update to that where, given that um, there was a positive test on set, I think everybody's gone back into quarantine for uh, a, a short period of time. And see, I saw th- those that news backwards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exact opposite. So who really knows what is yeah. happening with that set? Um, it kind of just it was a damper, and I feel almost as if this news really kicked off the long holiday weekend, and everyone is still on such a high from the dome. So yeah. it was kind of hard to swallow. But and and on that note, we also have Warner Brothers. Media is saying that Ray Fisher is not cooperating with the investigation of his claims of mistreatment by Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns, and other others during Justice League filming. And he he responds that he did meet with the investigators. So there is also some wishy washy things happening on that front as well. Yeah, yeah, that one that that's a very there's a lot going on with that story because you know because Warner they did the Friday after Friday evening news stuff right uh, as you said right before the holiday things are still on a high from DC fandom part one and then uh, we we get the news that he didn't cooperate and then over the weekend uh, Ray Fisher uh, responds on his Instagram account showing that I think he showed an email or. Uh, that he had, he and his representatives with uh, the, the Screen Actors Guild and others uh, did try to meet with the investigators. And I think the the way the things were starting to unfold, I think it sounds like he did not like the way that uh, the investigation was proceeding. So I think they just stopped at that point. And uh, and then there was also some back and forth as far as whether or not uh, Walter Hamada, who is, I guess, head of DC Films now, was, was engaged with this and throwing people under the bus. And mm. you know, it was a lot of back and forth, he said, she said, uh, with between Fisher's camp and, D- and the DC folks. And uh, also Fisher talked about how Jeff Johns was made veil threats to him about ending his career and uh, saying they were going to have other people fill- Cyborg and other DC projects, which of course we did get that with Jovian Wade with Doom Patrol on DC Universe. So it's just a, a lot to unpack with this particular story. And right now, and the other thing is too, apparently Fisher is trying to negotiate to appear in a future DC project. So it's just a lot going on with this particular story. And then we see that Fisher story. And then of course, you know, I can't help but think about earlier last week, John Boyega and his GQ. Oh, an interview yeah. he had with uh, with Star Wars and how uh, how he felt after uh, filming and especially after uh, uh, the last film and and how he felt that the color, characters of color got marginalized and pushed to the side, especially how he started out being sort of you know a heavy part of the marketing and then and then by the third film uh, they just 
everyone he felt like from himself to Kelly Tran to even Oscar Isaac were kind of pushed you to the side. It, it was a very interesting weekend in race relations and film with, you know, when you look at the Ray Fisher stuff and, and, and John's. Well, big comments. franchises. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and big studios. Globally yeah. known franchise, franchises where they were pushing the narrative that, oh, we're inclusive, we're inclusive. See, we look at who we're casting for these roles. We're inclusive. Yeah. And look at what we have for these actors who are of color. And then they're crummy movies at the end of the day. They're just not good movies. And and I also, I, I do wonder how much of that is due to these are people of color versus all of these, the, the history around franchises and the actors who come on board and after the first one never really want to return to that set. Yeah, <laughs> but how yeah. Do you- Contracts. I mean, it's kind of historic at this mo- moment where we have everything that came out of um, the amazing Sp- Spider-Man with like Andrew Garfield and him. He, he like never wants to do a franchise again. Yeah. And then you have Harrison Ford who wanted to get killed off immediately in the first trilogy. Yep. And yep. All, all of all of these people who they needed to make a name and yeah. then. And then they don't want anything to do with. It. So I just I wonder what what is the how much of it is due to the systemic racism that we do know exists in Hollywood. We do yeah. know. Yeah. And then how much of it is just the Hollywood machine of taking yeah. these franchises and reusing them to a point where the movies are just downright bad. Yeah, bad or just a or just a grind of having yeah. to car- carry the weight of that franchise. And, you know, when you look at, I think even Daisy Ridley has stepped away from it. Very obviously, and even John noted he was very thankful for the experience, and it was clearly a huge global stepping stone right. for him. Right. But but I think it's just the the nature of those big mega franchises, the toll it takes on on some actors, not only from a professional standpoint, as far as just, just a grind of having the weight of carrying it. Right. But, and, and some people are comfortable with that and, and some, some are not. So I think a lot of it does depend on how people are wired too. Uh, so, it, you know, some people can handle that. Some people can't. And, and uh, some people may feel that it, it stifles them creatively and they don't want to do, get locked into something and, and, and want to move on to do something else. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of factors that go into it, but, yeah, but I think, uh, you know, getting back to Ray Fisher and, and what's going on with DC, uh, it's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how all this unfolds, uh, especially given uh, you know, his attempts, to, I think, to try to continue to work in the DC, DC and Warner studio system and as they move forward with, with future projects with this character Cyborg and, um, and, and also... Uh, given that Jeff Johns and so many others are very powerful folks within the within the system, and how they treat the if they do substantiate any type of misconduct, how how does Warner uh, treat those individuals? That's... Yeah, yeah. I I almost want to tell Ray, get out now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do other another studio because this just looks bad on Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and and the sooner you get out of it the more bad and shade is is thrown on them with everything. So, and, and Snyder will probably do a documentary and release the Snyder cut all about it. I don't know. <laughs> he probably will. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> I, I will be, it will be given that part two of DC fandom is this upcoming weekend. It, it I, it will be nice that to see some of the other things like black lightning and Supergirl and well, I don't know if Supergirl is going to have a, a I mean, Superman and Lois, I think, and some of the other shows that will Doom Patrol will be a part of that this weekend. So it'll be nice to to have some other DC properties other than this huge shadow of the Snyder Cut. Yeah, know, over yeah. over and over. Uh, with, well, with you got to that the Dome is this weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dome Part. <laughs> yes, um, that's why I'm here. That's I'm always here for you, my friend. <laughs> 
So moving on from um, movie franchises and into actually a podcast, YouTube franchise, whatever you want to call Schmoes No, um, the empire that Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis has um, built. They they released a new lineup, um, and because both Will and I are fans and tend to check out a lot of their stuff, we wanted to go through it. And if you haven't heard of them, I do strongly encourage you to check out the SEN and the Schmodown Entertainment Network on YouTube and on podcasts. And so Christian announced a few new shows, a few old shows. And so the big ones were My Movies with Dan Merle, mm-hmm. Inner Geekdom with Winston Marshall, and then mm-hmm. coming up next, which is their preview, pre-fight, schmodown experience podcast. Yeah. Um, the only one I'm interested in is Inner Geekdom. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just because I love Winston. Yeah. He has I don't know how he did it. I do not know how he is able to come on and he started on Collider and slowly build just this this way of being a very credible host who can play into Christian's antics that sometimes just drive me crazy. Yep. But also really have in-depth conversations about everything. And with anyone and always has something to say. So he's not like a wallflower either. Totally not. So, so I just, I, I'm really glad he got a show and it is one that I'm planning on watching because it's also different. Yeah. It's, it, it is about, um, the stuff that we tend to talk about, but more of specific movies and lines and character moments and plot points. Um, that are all derived from the inner geekdom schmodown. Yeah, yeah. So just to set people up for, if you haven't, inner geekdom is it, it truly is what it sounds like. It's uh, it's a cross section of so many different topics on you know where like just like the, like us on this show where we'll go from DC to Marvel to Star Wars to Star Trek to you name it. And uh, his new show going to really highlight. Uh, that portion of the of the schmodown. I think it's going to be, a, if I recall, a two hour two hour yep. show uh, weekly. I think part of it will, uh, as as we noted, you know, focus on a lot of those those topics. And then I think the second half is going to be, I think, guests or uh, maybe uh, we'll take questions and stuff from uh, from the audience. And so yeah, I, I that's definitely one I I am definitely looking forward to. I know. Uh, uh, if you if another show that Winston does is uh, Blurs in the Hood with uh, Jay Washington, mm-hmm. and uh, that show is hilarious. They come comes on every Tuesday afternoon on YouTube, and um, those brothers, I mean, they they have me like rolling on the floor. Sometimes other uh, folks from the the uh, SEN network of, of uh, characters like John Roca showed up on there. Uh, Roxy Stryer has been on their show. Uh, they've also had the Blurred Girl. Uh, many folks probably familiar with her work from the Sci-Fi uh, Channel, and, uh, and and so many of, and, and also just their uh, bits during the week. So I'm definitely I'm very happy for Winston that he got this particular show, and yeah. and, I'm, and I'm also looking forward to the Dan Merle show too. I think it's a little bit different from some of the uh, things we've seen in this space, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, like, but I like Dan, period. I mean, I think he's, you know, I think he, I've enjoyed his days from when he was on Screen Junkie. So, um, so you know, it, I, I'm like you, Winston's definitely the one I'll definitely will not miss. The others, um, you know, I, I'm, it's interesting seeing Christian build his SEN empire after the whole Collider, after he left Collider. And, uh, you know, really in a very short period of time, especially with their, you know, with their uh, partnership with uh, uh, the uh, entertainment company that produces yeah. uh, Walking Dead, um, blanking on the name right now, um, Sun, I can't remember the name, but oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, the my point being, I mean, he's in a short amount of time since he's left Clotter, he has really built up his own entertainment empire, especially 
given that that everyone has been handicapped with 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 COVID uh, in the entertainment sector, and and in particular, been able to re, refashion a showdown into a YouTube, you know, not being able to do it in studio, but do it via Zoom call and Streamyard. Right. It's it's been amazing what they've been able to do. Yeah, I mean, the one announcement that I'm kind of mad he didn't do is the morning show is great. The every day, the crew, some of the regulars, now John and him are alternating weeks. But what I still want and badly think that he needs to do is have the have a have a Thursday night show, two hours, old Schmonos movie show. Like that that was so good and it got so many freaking views yeah. in comparison to what so I'm happy he's branching out, but I really wish that part of the expansion would have been having a Thursday night show like that where it's basically the clubhouse again. But yeah. and yeah. as for Dan Merle, I, I, I like Dan Merle. Here's my thing. I honestly don't think this is a new idea. I think it's just been it's an old idea that's repackaged. And, and as much as I like Dan, he's not, he's too much of a straight guy in terms of where he falls when he's on a show with multiple hosts. And so I was really interested to hear who would be co-hosting. And it worries me that especially the first one, there is no co-host. I'm like, what? Yeah. Dan's entertaining. He has a following, but still. He he needs somebody to b- bounce off of him. <laughs> true, true. That that is true. That is just true. my opinion. Yeah. But all right. So enough about seeing a nerd and and giving them or not seeing a nerd. <laughs> They're so. We, we hope we hope we, name. We, yeah, <laughs> we hope to be we, one day. We maybe will be as as big as the Showdown Entertainment Network. We're working our way there. <laughs> maybe. maybe. All right. So we do have a big topic to cover tonight. Spoiler warning is on because we got the first three episodes of The Boys to cover season two. The boys are back in town. Definitely. And and they start off the very first episode with saying, hey, Gina Car- Car- Jean Carlo Esposito is the man who's going to be behind Voss. Here you go, everyone. I'm like, oh my god! As soon as I saw his face, I'm like, you're in everything. He is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he is in everything, but he, but whenever he is in it, you can guarantee he's going to bring an awesome performance, and he has not disappointed so far. Right. I. I mean, as soon as he has that confrontation with Homelander, yep. I think at the very end of the episode. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, of course, you you cast him to be the head of Vought because we're dealing with Homeland, <laughs> <laughs> the most. <laughs> and he speaks perfect American. <laughs> yeah, 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 perfect American. Um, so have you been following on this conspiracy that his character, San Edgar? Is actually also has powers. Uh, I don't know if he. I mean, it would make sense from a, a standpoint of being being willing to stand up to Homelander right. that he would have powers. But then again, given the nature of Edgar, his arrogance and his sheer force of will is such that he. Even if he doesn't have powers, he knows and he puts Homelander in his place really fast that, hey, you're not Vault. Vault is a pharmaceutical company. And we can move from the we can move from the seven and make you guys completely irrelevant at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's his power over Homelander. And even and even and even though Homelander could easily I rate him to death without a moment's hesitation. I think Homelander, as dense as he is, still understand, still gets the point that without thought, they're nothing. Right. Without the money, without the resources, 
without the PR, all the things that go along with it being a superhero corporation, subsidiary in this multinational corporation. They, they're nothing without Vaughn. Right, right. I, you know, I don't think Homelander is dense. I mean, when you compare him to, I don't know, a character such as the Deep. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, well, everybody's smarter. Than, every, even Huey's better than the Deep. <laughs> he wasn't born yesterday, so yeah, he true. does have that. He there. Uh, it did. It was funny because I think everyone going into season two is is ca- very cautious that okay. Will this be at the same level as season one, or will it be better or worse? And so far, for all three episodes, I think that they are on pace with the first season. Yeah. Um, and to recapture that tone, but not make it feel repetitive, this this season we already know within the first three episodes that these characters are, yes, they're going after Vought. And the boys are after the soups. The soups are after the boys. But but they're, they have also expanded their world to introduce yeah. a few new characters. And we will get to Stormfront eventually. Yeah. Um, but what, what were some of your standout moments from the first episode? So I think a couple of the standout moments of the episode for, for, for me was, I, I do think... They did indeed uh, have not had any any fall off from from season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the uh, I think a couple things that stood out for me was uh, Homelander utilized manipulating uh, Ashley to basically oh god be, yeah to be his. Is basically, you know, his intermediary for into the corporation. And, and to your point about him not being dense, I mean, this is where Homelander is very good and very savvy about using his position to get what he needs. Even though she did, you know, walk in on him in a very awkward moment when he found Madeline's uh, uh, breast milk, which I was just like, oh god, here, you know. Isn't it funny how obsessed yeah, yeah. breast milk he is, and yet yeah. we also have a character on team the boys mm-hmm. called mother's milk mother's milk yep <laughs> exactly what is going to happen when he realizes that that the character's name yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're going into some strange places there but if we did but i think the big but um the thing that did you know so that was one of the just as far as interesting character moments with homelander and his fetish with with breast milk was one of the standout the true standout moment for me was just the yeah. Black Noir mission at the very beginning of the episode, because you know we we got some teases of how awesome and how uh, of Black Noir as a character is in first in season one, but seeing him in action and taking out the uh, the terrorist group that was um, uh, at the very beginning and and just going through that camp with just the wreck this reckless abandon like just a wrecking ball and taking everything out and then uh you know that that was that was a moment where i was like kept the boys are back because it had every single element over the top action over the top gore over the top fire it you know it, it had everything so that was another uh, another moment uh that was just just perfect opening set the tone for the episode for me hey. And to remind us what happened in the first season, because uh, for, unless you've rewatched the first season, I didn't. Um, I could have; it could have been just basic dialogue saying, "Oh yeah, remember how we gave internationals? <laughs> mm-hmm. We basically spread um, what is it called? V compound, compound V, compound V across the world." So that we could get into the military. And so now the super terrorists, terrorists, I'm sorry, I have to correct that, super villains, <laughs> we are going after, we <laughs> created. So, yeah. so I, I, I love how they use that sequence 
to yeah. bring us back to what happened without really any exposition. Yeah. And and I'm surprised, Will, because I could have sworn, because you brought up Ashley, I thought you were going to go with the other standout moment of this episode, the, the blind moment. Well, and I was we, getting there, yeah. This show, to... <laughs> <laughs> This show, because because it, it was so on tempo for them to try to include a disabled soup on Team 7 because of publicity. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> and, and I'm sure, and I hope I wasn't the only one, who jumped out of their chair as soon as Homelander disabled the disabled person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was so on brand. It was so on brand. And I know there's been a lot of thought pieces written out there this weekend about how this show, of course, does those things as far as taking the issue of the day and and showing and, and lampooning it, but also show but also uh, you know, again making it relevant and, and using it as a way to show the hip the, the shallowness of, of corporate PR and corporate of uh, corporate America. <laughs> and and yeah. that was one of those moments in episode two. I know we'll get to that one with the, with the uh, girls get it done. Uh, you know, I can't I couldn't help but think of like the NBA and black lives matter and yeah. everything being plastered on the, on the court or, or, you know, or, or some company like, Oh yeah, we're going to take Aunt Jemima off the, off the shelf because, you know, not that anyone asked them to, but this is what we do because we're so enlightened. I mean, these are the kinds of things that this show just, it's like, you couldn't tell me that they filmed this like in late 2019. <laughs> it's like they, they, they had a crystal ball to like see all the stuff that we are dealing with now in 2020. I, I also think, and retrospectively, that scene, having it placed in the first episode knowing they're going to drop the first three episode is a very good, it's a very good parallel to something Stormfront does to a character at the end of the third episode. Yeah. And so it, it kind of, and, and it makes that moment so much more haunting and, and her villainy so, so more clearly highlighted because we've seen Homelander do something, something parallel. Yeah. So, so I just, I, I think that, that, that is also a narrative genius of the writers to, to make these characters and to create that buildup and that, that parallelism as we move forward with the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then my other um, standout was the, and, and also, like you said, a good way to narratively bring us full circle from the story in the first season was Translucent's funeral. <laughs> you mean the empty, the, <laughs> the clear glass? The clear glass. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, I know the soups are villains. I get it. But they are, Homelander is so <laughs> Oh, I just, Man, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't. But you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Starlight was, singing. Yeah, as the, soon as she came out singing, I was, oh my god. Yeah. And, and she, she's in a very precarious place too. Yeah. I mean, she, through her relationship with Huey, she has seen now the the bad side of Vaught. And recognizes that they are made, they're not born this way. And so she is now more now more now than ever, really is a a rat in the seven and someone who's looking at undermining Vought and and potentially the seven altogether as she wants to exploit them. And so for the first three episodes, it's all about getting compound V and exposing this to the world <laughs> which and and i love right now what they're doing with her and a train as well yeah. yeah yeah i know they teased that during comic-con and i and i'm and i was wondering how it was going to roll but uh yeah we we you know of course a train at least in this ep at least in the first episode is still off, is still 
uh, in a coma from his heart attack uh, that Pee-wee and, and Starlight actually saved his life mm-hmm. at the end of the season one. So, um, but I, I, but I did like how whenever we get to episode two and he, he resurfaces and how Starlight in, in her plan of trying to show the world what Compound B is actually and, and, and bringing down, bringing down the company from the inside, uh, her, you know, using using A Train's, I have forgotten about A Train had had shot up his uh, yeah his girlfriend uh, in, in the first season, but but you know, but using use utilizing that as as leverage over him whenever he was like going to call her out for uh, for her role in, in still in the V. So I mean, so it was really good game of chess between these two characters to see who was going to blink first and and how each one of them could easily uh, turn turn the other in, but uh, you know, but it, it, it basically is a, is a stalemate, and at some point, whoever is careless is going to be the one that like that that blinks, which we you know we may have seen that in episode three. Yeah, I I think that um, the panel spoiled a lot for me. because a lot of what they said i was watching these episodes through a lens of okay when are they going to get to this when are they okay i see what they're doing now because they said during the so i couldn't it was almost as if i had the panel playing in the background while i watched these episodes i I did too i did too yeah it just it it was a different experience than opposed to when i first sat down to watch the first season and knew nothing about it and was completely caught off guard and and that's that's not to its detriment it just i was i was looking for things and so i a lot of what i have to say comes from also that knowledge of what was discussed during the panel yeah. um so as soon as a train came whooshing back <laughs> onto the scene and immediately like a like a magnet it's just all over starlight and what are you doing? What did he put in your boot? <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. I'm a stalker all of a sudden. Um, but it's but I like how they also very subtly make us understand why he doesn't want this to get out. Yeah. Um it, it, and it and it and it is and it's some- if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Something important to what the show is all about doing is that, and I don't know if they even talked about in the first season, if it's true that Annie does come from money or not, Um, but we know A-Train doesn't. And so all he has is what Vought has given him, very much like Homelander, who who throughout these three episodes is kind of caught between two homes. He is caught between Vought, his the family, and where he's learned like these people raised me in a sense. These people made me who I am. I'm up above them, but but they're also my family. There's that conversation with Maeve, and then the family he wants to have with Rebecca and his son, Ryan, um, which is also in a community monitored heavily by Vought. Yep. <laughs> Very heavily. <laughs> the worst version of the Truman Show you could ever ask for. Vought's yeah. <laughs> <place>. everywhere. <laughs> Homelander has free reign over it as long as Vought's involved. And oh, man. But, but yeah, I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm hopefully, I'm thinking they're going to get, become allies 
and ultimately friends. And there's going to, he, he's going to be involved with the continued separation between her and Huey, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. I think you're right about that. As they move forward, that that's going to definitely uh, play out. And, and, and Huey, uh, I can't recall from, again, I haven't rewatched season one, but did he have Billy Joel playing like all the time in season one? Because no, no. Okay. That, that's what, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> ever to get to the point (laughs) like what what it was also an interesting a few more two more things about the first episode uh one they do mention Vaught Industries has ties to World War II and Hitler um which which is brilliant because that is so comic book (laughs) so comic book and then also as we they also drop a reference to Soldier Boy, which yeah. uh, which we which was a as we know season three he will will be there and Jensen Ackles will be uh, portraying him so so that was a nice little little Easter egg uh, to to set things up for for the third season and and the last note is the decision not to really have Billy the butcher appear in the first episode until the yeah. very very end yeah yeah that was the other thing that was surprising. For me as well, uh, that uh, I was like, where's, where's yeah, where, where's where's butcher? And yeah, I thought that was, you know, it, it, looking back on it now, that I, I'm actually glad that they did leave it that way, and because it, it, it you know, of course, they butcher was referenced because they bought had the media set. The story that it was Butcher who killed Madeline, and, and obviously, as we as we know from season one, it was actually Homelander who did it. But again, it, that's what led to the to the boys going underground uh, because of him Butcher being framed for for uh, Madeline's murder, and then um, and then also the Rainer, the the, the CIA agent, uh, randomly head explodes and. and figuring out which soup was the one that was behind that. I feel like it was noir. <laughs> it probably was. I mean, it, 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 it makes the most sense that it would probably be him. Because I almost, I almost think that there is an, one of the people he was attacking in that opening sequence, basically it looked like their head just exploded out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's yeah, what yeah. I remember. So I think, yeah. I think that's who did it. I'm not sure. I'm also not sure why they didn't attack the boys, but who I don't know. Um, it does lead us into the second episode with Billy coming back and us figuring out that basically what happened was Rebecca made a deal with Homelander to keep Billy alive, and then he could be a part of his son's life. And Billy um, was has has some notes. He, he he frantically wrote some notes, but but what I was also caught off guard about Billy not just not being in that first episode until the end, but also how they've made it very clear he is on a different mission, mm-hmm. and that separate mission puts him at odds with the very people who he has aligned himself with, and he needs to be successful. And and I really like that too because I don't think that there really is supposed to be a villain or a super terrorist <laughs> in this show. They're all evil. <laughs> I think they're all supposed to be pieces of crap. <laughs> yep, yep. I think yeah. Hold mirror, hold up. People suck. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's people suck. People are selfish. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants what they want. Yeah. And if and if and if what they want um doesn't align with somebody else, well then all of a sudden you're my enemy, you're not my friend. You're because you're gonna get in my way. Because as much as Huey wants to get mad at Butcher about his his willing to sacrifice anyone to get back to his wife, 
I would argue Huey's probably doing the same to get back to with Annie. Oh, he is. I mean, they call yeah. Mother Smoke. It, I mean, other you know, they call him out on it. How reckless he is by going up when they were yeah. in the underground, going on the street to to get back with Annie. Yeah, they're just they're just lovesick fools. <laughs> yeah, they they pretty yeah. Bill Butcher and Huey are are more similar than they recognize. Now, granted, both of those girls also have one other thing in common. They're in close proximi- proximity to Homelander. So so we get it. Yeah. <laughs> we very much get the concern. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, but on top of that tension, the writers decided to do a one-up. And they also introduced Kamiko's brother mm-hmm. as, as a smuggled in super terrorist who who then finds himself as a bargaining piece for butcher and the cia which which just just adds this other dimension because yeah kimiko didn't start off with them but at this point she is a part of their clan yeah and to the point where she also helps them kind of neutralize her brother so that they could start the transportation, even though she doesn't, she, I don't know how much she knew or, or if she figured out that then she would, I don't know what her thought process there was, but it it was interesting how that all played out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think part of it is just what I try to remember back to the first season, because I think, the Frenchie and Mother Smoke and the team rescue her from, from that camp, if I recall. Yep. So I think she feels some indebtedness, indebtedness to them. Yeah. And But also, you know, she also still feels, uh, she's the elder sister, so she feels that she has to also protect her baby brother. And, get, and if, if getting him to the CIA actually protects him, then, you know, so she can serve that mission. Of protecting her brother as well, instead of leaving him up to the devices of Homelander and other suits, because obviously if they get him, he you know, he is as good as dead. Right, right. I need the actress who plays Kamiko and the actor who plays Frenchie to be cast in some romantic comedy because they have great chemistry. They do. And I just want to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since you've been able to make a video, so you need. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and 
finally confesses the reason why she's been so protective and, and so vague about her with everyone is because of Homelander uh, just killing someone because of uh, of something that happened at an event. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And just because of his jealousy. So, it, it, and so, yeah, it is hard to, I mean, I, I think they still, I think from a corporate standpoint, they think they still play that up as far as their relationship there. But, but yeah, real in, in behind the scenes, clearly she, she's home, Homelander and Maeve are just, they're, they're on seven together. But that's about it. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and while all of this is going on in the tower, we have the deep who is still in the middle of nowhere. Yep. And he is going through some therapy. Plantologist <laughs> much? <laughs> and, and they give him some shrooms. They give him some shrooms. And then yeah. he, has, he has a bit of a some dialogue with his gills oh god that okay that i couldn't watch that uh every time the gills started singing or talking to him i my eyes just kind of looked away from the screen <laughs> it creeped me out really it did it totally wow did. i it, i don't know what it means that i had no problem watching that i thought it was hilarious it was but... hilarious and especially when you start singing you are so beautiful <laughs> I yeah, it just kind of creeped me out. It it I <laughs> for for whatever reason though I I kept thinking about how I I mean they really do make you understand why he treated Annie the way he did in the first season, mm-hmm. and not not to say that what he did was acceptable. No, no. heck no. But but to understand that psychology um, was was a really good move to to not make him redeemable, but just to like give you shed some light on why why it happened, what his history is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he's a superhero. He's on the seven, but he also got kicked off for mid- misconduct. And and it has more to do with him than anyone else because he is ashamed of his body and he yeah. goes through. And it was just like an I I I don't know I I liked it I liked it more when the the whale died and he had that brief exchange with Homelander. Um, I want more scenes between those two actors because they are hilarious together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and this leads us to <clears throat> my final note about the second episode. And and I kid you not, on my rundown <laughs> when I was when I was writing about the second episode, I have a note and I'm like, okay, I'm so freaking confused about Storm Stormfront. <laughs> <laughs> because I, and I've heard other people suggest that she was being annoying i didn't i didn't get that too much she she was a presence Mm -hmm. she had a voice very opinionated did not appreciate how vaught likes to portray the super the the females of the seven or how they um or their scripts about movies but but i thought that was all pretty on point with me too yeah. And so at this point, I was I was just thinking to myself, okay, when is she going to turn? Because we could have sworn she was going to be a white supremacist. Yeah. <laughs> Not- yeah. <laughs> Hold on, she is. <laughs> Doesn't happen yet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I, but you know, but I think that was a good move by the writers, actually, by introducing her that way of basically giving a big middle finger to vault i mean even from the moment whenever she was first on the scene where uh, she's on instagram live talking to and introduces herself to the stormfront and mave and basically forces him into a situation to where he even where he's just like what the hell 
I what? think she heard about the line guy. I think yeah. she heard about the line guy and said, okay, I'm going to get him on camera. And yeah. then he can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, he can't do anything to me. But, but apparently Stormfront and, and, and is the one character that can stand, that can hold her own with Homelander. But I think it, but I think it was because clearly hearing the name Stormfront folks will think, Oh yeah, she's going to be a white supremacist and, and, and all, but because, and because that is a, in real life, I mean, that is the name of a, of a neo-Nazi group, but, uh, but by setting her up as someone who is like calling out the corporate BS on this, uh, on the girls get it done or whatever it was called and how, how shallow and how, uh, they, they were just you know, seizing you know, seizing on Annie's assault for and trying to twist it into this look how how progressive we are and we're going to put all these great women in, in, in front of this and team but yet we'll still sexualize them in their costumes <laughs> but, but we're still but we're go, we'll do it because right. we're, but, but we're doing it in a progressive way and so you know, Stormfront's basically like calling BS on, you know, so I love that way they set that up, especially when they were filming all those PR shoots and she was just not being a team player. And because, because whenever we do eventually get the reveal, it, 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 it makes it more, a more nuanced villain than just a you know, twirling the beard, you know, coming out of the gate evil. Well, it's a different act. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we see Homelander, right? Homelander has been acting for forever, but when the cameras are off, he'll, he'll beat a blind guy death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still going back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he will. He will. He, he will. But she, on the other hand, when, when the cameras are off, she is very targeted about who is beneath her it, yeah. and discriminates about. And so, and so it's weird to, I don't even know. And this will be fascinating to talk about with the upcoming episodes about who is more of a villain Stormfront or Homelander and who is more because Homelander even he Homelander convinces his kid. Yeah. <laughs> you are a God. Yeah. <laughs> He pushes him off the roof to do it, but you know. Yeah, and the kid does not fly. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So so it it just it it's it'll be interesting to see that juxtaposition about with those and it's a very nuanced and it's a very minor difference. Um, but it's gonna make a big and it and it it seems it, it appears to be more significant, but when we break it down, it's okay. So, so she she discriminates, but Homelander he doesn't care if you get in his way, he will kill you. <laughs> so, yeah. what is that? Um, I just yeah, I I like that. I, I I like how, and you're you're absolutely right. I also think they did it because Aya Cash has been in a lot of different things over the past few years, and she has never played the villain. And so the Stormfront we see in the first two episodes mirrors a lot of her other characters. <laughs> <laughs> that is her pigeonhole. So so I I was like, oh, this is this is Aya. Okay. And and then and then we see that moment where it, where it's not her anymore. It, it is Stormfront. It is this alter ego. Um, and and man, when was the last time you heard a Pippa Longstocking reference? Oh, I haven't I heard one since Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't watch Gilmore Girls, but it's been a long time for me since I was like Pippa Longstocking. That would talk about a pull call callback. <laughs> Yeah, I was just yeah. like, whoa, that came out of left, left, view. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so so now for the big episode. Final one. It's the chase. We, we have so many great moments in such a short period of time, though. 
where the and it feels as if the first three episodes all all build up to this this um chase in the tunnels yeah. and and you have the boys coming coming face to face with the soups again and we have homelander almost kill or almost make annie kill huey and and in that moment, the only reason why he doesn't is because Billy uses Kenji to to cast his powers and basically ask Homelander to find the center of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So so what what were what was your take on that scene in sequence? So you know, so I I have to go back to the beginning of the episode with Huey on the boat and calling Annie again. And again, that unrequited love because again, and, and in a second wind, <laughs> the, the challenge of Billy Joel song again. And so he, you know, clearly he still loves her, but, and, and it really sets whenever they do get to that moment where Homelander Wants Annie to kill Billy Huey. Uh, it that conflict there is really strong because even though early, prior to that moment she really hasn't she she still hasn't gotten over Huey lying to her to get to the V and mm-hmm. using her to get to the V. At that moment, she does. Uh, you know, it, you can see that conflict because she, even though she's pissed off a bit about that, she does still care for him. Right. And so, I think that was uh, that. That was a very powerful. That epi- the third episode was just from start to finish was just a super powerful episode, and that that particular moment really stood out for me because it it really um, one it showed the dynamic between Huey and Annie. But also, it proved it showed also that Butcher also heard what Mother's Milk was trying to talk to him about yeah. earlier. As far as you know, he's your canary, and he's going to be that one individual who will keep you from from completely losing it all and and and, and lose touch with what whatever humanity Butcher has. So, so Mother's Milk didn't buy into Huey as Katniss? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah, I love that moment. And just when you think it can't get better, or can't get worse, I should say, you have Kenji and Kamiko run off, Mm -hmm. encounter Stormfront. Stormfront chases after them, and then into into an apartment complex and just kills civilians who are all of color. Yep. And and then gets to the and, and she she has no there there is no conscience, there's no humanity in it. It's it's I don't need to do this, but you're you're but I'm going to kill you anyway. It's it's yeah. Wasn't even a thought. It was just that, and and they didn't really stand a chance. I mean, not the civil. Yeah. Of course, the civilians didn't stand a chance. But Kamiko and Kenji, they got some shots in. But Stormfront yeah. was going to win that fight no matter what. And yeah. and when she says, "I just want to see the light go out," open yeah. your eyes. Oh, yeah. oh, that was yeah. I was like, okay, so Homelanders, Homelanders on one level. By like putting my hand up, she's like at a next level of this like evil because that was, and that just shows. And, I, and another thing too, you know, they did do a gender swap with Homelander, but with uh, Stormfront, uh, because in the comics Stormfront is actually male. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they did a gender swap. One, I think, uh, to make it, I think. One and Homelander and Stormfront already have a confrontational relationship that they could probably begin with, and this is one character can stand it on. But also to make it a woman, to like even make it even more like kicking Homelander 
uh, as far as his ego and everything, just add that dynamic to it as well. Right, because he's he's very much on that same level that the deep is with how he treats women. Yeah. And what, what we have playing out with Becca and Ryan is is pretty much domestic abuse. Yeah. And yeah. a child witnessing that. So so I I think knowing that storyline too fed into that decision to do the um, to cast cast her as female, and Aya so far is doing a great job yeah, with this yeah. role, and and well, I think I think it's really gonna help. But isn't it? It's also interesting because with Miko, the first season it was such a big deal for the, for the boys to have a female. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and now because Stormfront. She kills Kenji. Uh, Kamiko gets away because, and oddly enough, this I would have never said this in any other episode, but she, the only reason why Kamiko gets away is because Homelander shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and right there we have the a a rivalry born between Kamiko Stormfront and also Homelander and Stormfront. And I love that ending where she is talking to the the um, t- t- doing the publicity, and yeah. he's in the background. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it was just so. Just, yeah, that was just beautifully. This is. I mean, I have to say the third of, of the episodes so far. The third one has been my favorite of of yeah. the season to to date. And that ending, you're so right. I mean, that press conference where uh, one the the corporation, you know, Edgar's back, and he talks about you know they they decide which route they're going to go as far as the story about Compound V, and then how you know basically again to save the bottom line, but then also you know, put in the new suit up who just happens to be a white supremacist. <laughs> As the, as the new as the as the, the new face of the franchise, and, and and again, Edgar was the one who picked her without yeah. consulting Homelander. So again, you know, exerting his his influence and his authority over Homelander to again show him who who is boss at Vought. Yeah, yeah. Who is boss at Vought? Say that ten times fast. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> well, just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's not she's not boss yet. She had one big save, but and yeah. then Homelander, I can't keep going. He's not, but he's I think, not one to be overshadowed. He's not, not he's not. But I think I think it was more. My point was more Edgar showing Homelander, who even though Stormfront's not the boss, but he Edgar is just basically it's like, look, I this reminded Homelander who, who's in charge here. It's not you. Oh, well, and don't forget, Homelander was the first one to remind him, my contract is almost over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, that's true. Your that contract, is true. Yep. that is not a family. You're not, <laughs> your <Yep>. family, <laughs> there isn't a contract obligation to spend holidays with your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of contracted. I don't know how to explain that. So, yeah, yeah. you're a product. But what the heck would Homelander... Man, third season, are we going to get a Homelander without Bot? Oh, <laughs> takes... Bot goes to, uh, to Evil Corp. <laughs> oh my god. It's just like when um, Captain America becomes Nomad, and I can't... I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know, but you're absolutely right. This, this was probably I think... Third episode was my favorite, closely behind the first episode. Second episode, they they did a lot, but I honestly thought it was so much of a filler. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I just was not. I I was I was like, all right, let's get to the third episode because mm-hmm. when things happen in the third episode, I all I'm all like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and somehow, right. yeah, and somehow Josh Whedon survived the survived the meeting with with the 
with the seven when they were casting, they were making their Justice League film. <laughs> I don't know. We never returned to that 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 room. Okay, yeah. I am not <laughs> sure. Stormfront, she might have had some words. She may. <laughs> she no, she did have some words. I she do did. not know if that means he survived or not. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. all right, we have survived this recap. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Cena Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.